into college, I was I was engaged. I don't know if you knew that. I was already engaged mm. to my first what became ex-husband of two. Um, <laughs> going into college. Yes. So wow. I was engaged going into college. And at our high school reunion uh, not that long ago, I pulled out my uh, yearbooks and it has, what do you plan to do? And my plan was that I would be a good wife to my <laughs> husband. That was like my life plan, which is just so unbelievable when I look back Although I bet you were a good wife. Well, I'm sure that was, but that shouldn't (laughs) be my only goal. So I just didn't expect much from myself. But what ended up happening is I interned thinking it was just sort of a way to spend a summer in Washington, but it wasn't going to become my life. And I interned for this organization that was created by whistleblowers from the Pentagon who had to create an organization that would protect them, would reveal the information that they had about corruption inside the Pentagon, but would help them remain anonymous so that they could keep their jobs. So that was my first awareness of the concept that even in the United States, telling the truth is is dangerous. Just want to say for the record, I usually used to introduce myself as a New Yorker. Like, you know, if people ask me if I was American, I'd be like, I'm from New York. And the great thing about New York is it's so close to the United States. But with this whole sense of our country sort of really in a state of duress, I've become so American in my identification. Hmm. Part of my excitement about doing the work with you is the sense that we're fighting for the America of the great values, the rule of law, integrity and honesty, accountability. Like These are the values I grew up understanding that we already had long ago fought for and were in place and that guided our like national narrative. And then to find out that no, in fact, it's under siege really made me probably feel more American than I ever fully felt. My grandfather was a cop on the Lower East Side. My great-grandfather was a cop on the Lower East Side. My cousin, Joe, cop, upstate New York. I almost think it's like a genetic thing. But, you know, where does the sense of wanting to balance the scales of justice come from? I mean, my mother was a whistleblower. And I know we I have knew other... I I loved her. Huh? I knew yeah. I loved her. So when I was a kid, like three and a half, my parents got divorced and my father moves away. And my mother, who had just been a stay-at-home mom, she had me and my brother, gets a job working at a bank across the street. And the director of the bank wants to sleep with her. She says, no, she gets fired. We go on welfare. Food stamps. Her boyfriend then at the time was Tom, who was also like a school teacher, made no money. So he ended up to make ends meet. He would taught himself how to build furniture and we would sell the furniture at the f- entryway to the subway on East wow. Broadway. I think there I got a sense of what it's like to feel sort of othered by your society, yeah. <laughs> you know, to use an overly anthropological term. But I don't know if it, it's that or the, you know, genetic predisposition towards law enforcement, but the sense of injustice and the abuse of power is just sort of baked in, like corruption really pisses me off, mm-hmm. especially the corruption that further marginalized, traditionally marginalized communities. I think the discontent that it was represented by the calls to unrig the system and to drain the swamp is very real and founded on like critical concerns. But obviously I do not see Trump as offering those solutions. Quite the contrary, I think he preyed on people's sense of frustration. I think it's really important for people not not to let themselves off the hook that Trump just came out of nowhere and his sort of brazen disregard for ethical standards is an anomaly because I blame all of us who had been 
allowing small, I'm using air quotes right now, small ethical violations to pass because you happen to like this particular candidate, for example, so you'll turn a blind eye to it, or you don't mind that, well, of course, a person has to get their kids through college, so they're lobbyist for, you know, the tobacco industry or something. And as we've sort of normalized sliding ethical standards, I think we've come to a point where ethics for this, this uh, administ the people who have come to Washington to be in part of this administration, it is, it's not only an afterthought, it's sort of, it's, it's a, a quaint theory that's not relevant to modern political day. behavior. And I think all of us are sort of to blame for that. So if in two years we're having this conversation again, uh, what would be the one thing you would want to see that we achieve together? I hope that in two years we can look at this empowered community of citizens who don't spend all their time thinking about Washington, but maybe once a month they spend an hour or two and we are helping to give them tools to move the needle so that those members of Congress who get elected are feel that they're being watched by their constituents, that it's not sort of a free game once they're elected and that's right. all they have to care about and that we expect more from them right. than we're getting, we've been getting in our past Congresses. I like that vision. <laughs>